Hey y'all, and welcome to Sunny D, the ponderings of a black polyamorous pansexual polymath. That will be me, D-Ray. I talk about relationships, relationshipping, tea, intersectionality, and a whole lot of other shit. Let's get on with the show in our different segments. Hey y'all, long time no see. (laughs) Well, long time no talk. Um, Yeah, a bitch has been busy. I took a little break that I informed you guys about. And then I took a little break that I didn't inform you guys about because things just got so busy. I know the first break was, I said, because I was burnt out. The second break was simply because there were a lot of new, exciting things happening, mean to me, um, and also some new, not so exciting things happening to me. So, yeah, I took a break, but I'm back. I'm back, and I will be doing the schedule that I told you guys about, I think, in um, after my last break, which was every other Monday. You will be getting something from me sometime on that Monday. And then that Wednesday in between the Mondays, you'll be getting a mini sold for me, which will be like something that I may or may not make into a longer episode, but just things that regarding the things I talk about on my podcast that have been on my mind that I want to talk about. So that in this coming year is going to be the setup. Also during this time, back in October, I was a guest on a friend's podcast, the Sex and Sensuality for Church Girls podcast, Um, and we talked a little bit about kink and being, uh, you know, former church girls. Uh, We happen to be in the same Christian sorority, and that was a very great talk. If you go to my Instagram, one of my last posts is actually a clip from that podcast, and you can find the link to her page there as well as you know her links to her podcast and stuff so pretty much i'm telling y'all to go check out my friend's podcast especially if you are a former church girl or if it's i mean even if you're not if it's something you're interested in um yeah go take a look at that and now on to our show and the first thing that we're going to do is oh first i want to say happy new year to all of you guys um last year was a pretty big year for me and I had no it was it was a very revealing year um I might do a reflection episode for my mini sewed next week actually that's what I'm going to do I had something else planned but now I'm going to make it a reflection of 2022 and uh, yeah I think that's what's going to happen So, Happy New Year first. Secondly, what's the tea? Yay! I'm very excited for this what's the tea because for my birthday and Christmas, I got a whole shit ton of new teas from people. I love whenever people give me things that I like. Um, I think a lot of people think, you know, if somebody likes one thing or, you know, whatever, that if they keep getting gifts only about that one thing and they would be upset that people only see them as that one thing and that's very valid however for me if you want to give me a gift that has anything to do with star trek um or tea i'm going to take it especially if it's just tea if you're just giving me just tea i love you forever and so one of my really really good friends who actually is on the newest um polycule chart that I have because I do think that over the last couple of years she has we have become closer and um yeah I I have become close enough to her to put her on a chart I'm still trying to figure out you know the labels and stuff but she's there a floating head I love her um but her daughter got me this tea from couples tea house in Baltimore Maryland it is a black owned and woman owned tea shop and I will be going to Grace's Doors this month. We are in January. Yes, this month um, with one of my partners. 
because uh, we're going to actually be in Baltimore for something to do with my friend that I talked about previously. And then I, it will be a great time. And I'm very excited for that weekend trip to Baltimore. But anyways, so she got me the masala chai from Couples Tea House um, because uh, you can never go wrong getting me a chai. I love chai. This one is made from oolong. And it is so smooth, y'all. It is so smooth. It also has so much cinnamon in it. So much cinnamon. So if you don't like cinnamon, don't, don't, don't do this. But it is flavorful. It has cardamom in it, too. And let me tell you, two ingredients that I love in a chai is cardamom and lemongrass. This one doesn't have lemongrass, which is fine. But it does have cardamom. But that cinnamon and cardamom together, baby, this shit is sweet. It is sweet by itself. It is the exact sweetness that I love in a chai. So I didn't even put no honey in it. I just put some cream in it because I always taste the chai before I put the honey in the cream because you never know. You never, you don't know how much you need until you taste it by itself, by its lonesome. Um, but it was, it's, it's delicious y'all. I can't wait to try the rest of their stuff. I've seen some of their stuff online. They have a great Instagram page. Um, this is not a paid advertisement for Couples Tea House. However, I think that everybody should find a great tea house to go to and this looks like it's it the ambience looks great the drinks look great from this tea that i got right now they mix up a good tea and i want to try their food because there's so many so many good food places in baltimore um but this whole episode cannot just be about how fucking amazing <laughs> this tea house is and how fucking amazing this chai is like seriously at this point because i was getting ready for this episode it's a little, it's not as warm as it could be. It's not even, hold on. It's barely lukewarm and this shit is still good. And I, I do like cold teas. But I don't like lukewarm teas, um, cold iced teas. Usually I like the green teas, not in uh, necessarily the black teas or like a herbal tea that's cold. Those are the ones I like. And I've never had a chai that I've liked cold, but now that's a lie because I believe I would like this one cold. Oh my gosh. It is so good. Anyways. That's the tea. Um, check out Couples Tea House. And I'm going to take a little break and pause to warm up my tea. And I think that y'all should also take a break and get you some tea for this episode about compatibility. All right, y'all. Today, we're talking about compatibility which no lie is one of my favorite things to talk about i feel like in every um polyam group chat that i'm in we talk about this topic quite often and i don't know if it's because of the group of folks that i am with or just like um we just we just really want to have high compatibility with folks because we believe that relationships should be easy not that there won't be work in the relationships but I don't subscribe to this thing that relationships are hard and I do think that one of the ways that you can make relationships easy or that relationships can be easy is when you have high compatibility um maybe it's because ethically non-monogamous folks in general tend to try to figure out like where they meet match with people that are outside of societal standards of what romantic and sexual relationships are and that means testing compatibility in different ways doesn't matter i feel like this is a beautiful topic to talk about in general whether you're monogamous or non-monogamous because i do believe that high compatibility in relationships whether they be sexual romantic um familial platonic whatever is essential to making the relationship work or figuring out where it doesn't work and either halting it or putting up some boundaries um i also feel like almost everyone has experienced when you feel a deep connection with someone but then the relationship ends up not going in direction that you expect or not working out at all and Sometimes the reason for this is simple in compatibility. And I think that folks, when they want to end relationships or change relationships, they feel like they need a reason 
Like, what is the reason? It has to be that somebody did something wrong or that, um, you know, a, a, a situation happened, a bad situation happened, or you drifted apart or whatever. And sometimes maybe you just weren't compatible and that's okay. But what is compatibility? So for me, compatibility is much more than just getting along with someone or being similar in personality or sharing lots of common interests. Compatibility is a mutual understanding and acceptance of the core nature of a person where you can genuinely enjoy being in each other's presence and being with each other without feeling preoccupied by what you feel needs to change within the other person and also being on level and by level I mean like um uh not <laughs> I say on level I'm thinking of the levels uh like when you put up a picture like you're you're trying to find how water finds its level whenever your your level of whatever the point of compatibility is is close enough to the person that there's not a lot of tension that there's not a lot of friction to me that's compatibility um, I think sometimes folks miss incompatible traits and red flags during the NRE, new relationship, energy stage because there's high sexual tension and high chemistry and that can cloud your judgment. And frankly, you should always discuss the different aspects of compatibility regardless of your perspective of how good the relationship is going because chemistry does not equal compatibility. Chemistry can wane, it can wax and wane, but compatibility will always be present in healthy relationships. Granted, situations may happen that change compatibility factors, and so relationships in turn should change to remain healthy and compatible. And that is kind of what I want to talk about today, is what are these compatibility factors that you should discuss? And what is some of um, the ways that you can determine if somebody is compatible with you on the same level or a level that is good enough for you? The percentage of how y'all feel about this is, you know, good enough um, that y'all are still compatible. So the first compatibility factor that I want to talk about is communication. And this includes communication frequency, communication styles, and communication preferences. So, communication frequency. Now, this can be different depending on the person. Because, um, you know, people are individuals and the relationships that we in turn have with them are very different. So, for some folks, you may want to communicate more frequently. And for other folks you may want to communicate less frequently. So this is something that I think you learn over time, how often or how not often you want to communicate with them. And this comes into play more as far as incompatibility goes, whenever one person wants to communicate more often and than the other person. And that can lead to points of contention and um, friction because if one person feels like they are not getting what they need out of the relationship because you're not communicating frequently enough and then the other person either cannot communicate frequently more frequently or don't want to communicate more frequently with this person for one reason or another then you know maybe y'all aren't as compatible um with that and and what you do with that <laughs> really, really depends on um, the factors around it. And that's something I want to talk about in a later episode. Um, communication styles. There are so many different communication styles out there. Um, direct versus indirect. Uh, ask versus guest culture. You can look up all the different kind of communi communication styles there are. And if you have a very vastly different communication style than somebody that you want to be in close relationship with, it can wreak havoc on the relationship because it's not just how you communicate. It's also the understanding. And um, because communication means nothing 
It means nothing if the other person doesn't understand what you're saying. A lot of times I found that folks who have differing communication styles, the meaning that they take from certain actions, words that you use, connotations of words, words that you don't use, things that aren't being said in body language is much different than the other person. And not having this um, translation can be very, very bad for, for relationships because you need to understand what the person is trying to get across in order to communicate effectively. Um, whenever in poly groups, they're like, communicate, communicate, communicate. I think that they, a lot of times they leave out the understanding portion because you can communicate all day long to a brick wall and it won't mean shit if they don't understand it. If the point is not getting across, if, if nothing is being taken, no actions are being taken to resolve whatever the conflict is or whatever the reason for the communication is. One of the last communication compatibility factors I want to talk about was communication preferences. And what I mean by that is whether you prefer to communicate via text, whether you prefer to communicate via face-to-face, -face, that is in person or on video call, or whether you prefer to communicate audio, which is audio clips or via phone call. And what information you like to be delivered via each method. So this is all I'm going to say about communication right now because we're going to talk about in uh, not next full episode, but the episode after that will be in translation. And that is effective communication and how to reconcile differing communication methods. So do stay on the lookout for that. Because I suspect that will be a fun one to talk about how to translate your communication style into your partner's communication style. And also to know whenever <laughs> maybe the translation is too much and you're just incompatible in this way. And so you should not talk to each other as much or not talk about certain things or maybe just not talk at all. Um, so... Yeah, that's, we're going to talk more about communication at a different time. So next compatibility factor I want to talk about is time. And time to me includes scheduling, tardiness, and your overall concept of time. Scheduling, number one. I love scheduling. Um, this is something that if you are close to me, even if you're not that close to me, you will find out very soon. I am all about scheduling. I have a very low social meter. I know exactly the activities that will make it lower and how much energy I might have on a certain day, generally, because sometimes health things come in or something comes out of the blue and that will make me have less energy and then I have to communicate that. But overall, I know how much energy I have and that's because I schedule things. I look at my calendar and I'm very intentional about where I spend my time and who I spend it with and how I plan out my dates and activities and work so that I have enough energy to do the things that I want to get done and see the people I want to see. Some people are not about scheduling. Um, I have definitely had partners that struggled with scheduling. And I can say that it was, we were very incompatible in that way. And in some cases, too incompatible to keep a close relationship. In other cases, we make a little bit of compromise. For instance, I have a current partner right now, uh, my demon prince, who can schedule somewhat, but I think not definitely not to the level in which I want to schedule, which is far, far ahead of time in planning out exactly what we want to do on dates. Um, however, we have developed a system, which is basically he has access to my personal calendar and sometime around the beginning of the month, I will send to him my free days and then he will, whenever, send me a calendar invite for the days that he also is free 
and then um i can either depending on when he sends it accept or reject it because now i have something else going on um and so it has worked out for us so far uh that's the best method that has worked for us because i tell you we have definitely butted heads on scheduling before like there was one point at the beginning of our relationship um i would like to preface this by saying he uh how much do i want to share i think this would be okay to say he has adhd and he but he doesn't like to plan things as far out as i do because he can't like this will go into the overall concept of time that i'm going to talk about later um he can't see that far ahead into the future and so there was one point in our relationship where we didn't have any dates scheduled and the day before or the week of or the day of he would hit me up and say hey are you free tonight hey are you free tomorrow night whatever whatever and a couple of times i was free or i wasn't free i said no and then after like two or three weeks of this i said hey i sent you my manifesto and you know from that that i like to schedule things i need schedule things in my life to keep it orderly and also when a person schedules time with me it makes me feel like they think that i'm important to them and that they are making time for me when you do not do this and when it kind of like is just spur of the moment it feels to me more like of a booty call or that i am more of an afterthought that you are like if i have time then i'll spend time with this person that is okay but that's not the relationship that we have currently agreed upon if you want it to be more of a booty call relationship i'm fine with that because the sex is great um <laughs> but i just need to put that into my head so that i'm not expecting something relationship expectations um i'm not expecting something that i am not getting by the way and three i should say six weeks the next the third full episode after this one is called but i thought which is navigating and communicating relationship expectations so yeah think about that one get ready for it um anyways so i said you know it's not what i expected it's not what we agreed upon so like if that's what you want to do now that's cool just let me know because there are certain things that I will or will not share based off of like, you know, what my relationship expectations is with this person. And he said, no, 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 no. I still want the thing. I'm just struggling right now with scheduling. What can we do to help make this better for both of us? And so over time, we have, um, you know, figured out what the fuck we're doing in regards to scheduling. And I am happy now in the way um, that we are scheduling because there there was also another time um, where we had conflict on scheduling and the overall concept of time and also for him we had conflict he had conflict with me with the the the, the dates um, not frequency necessarily of dates but like what we were doing on dates and how we are conducting ourselves and shit like that so you know it's not just you know me being the one who was always like hey i have this very strict thing that i would like to, to to make our relationship fit into i do like compromise and people also come to me with shit um i think i need that to be said because i i don't know i recently had somebody say something to me about you know me being perfect and all of that honeys sweet sweet hoes i'm not anyways back to the topics um scheduling tardiness if you are somebody who cannot be on time to save your life and you are with somebody who feels like if you are tardy that means that you are not respecting their time y'all need to either come over some compromise or y'all just are incompatible i do have a couple of partners who are notoriously tardy and the compromise to that is telling them a different time or being the one to pick them up or encouraging them um yeah because you know that their concept of time here we go overall concept of time is something that goes into tardiness and scheduling because your overall concept of time kind of determines the way 
in which you view scheduling and the way in which you view lateness, um, especially folks who have object permits, um, have ADHD, have um, memory issues, things like that. Their overall concept of time is different than other folks. They may or may not be able to recognize how much time has passed. They may or may not be able to recognize how long it takes for things to happen, even if they've done that thing over and over and over again. So this is something that you should really talk about because if you are a stickler for time and your partner isn't, this will be a point of contention. This will be something that may determine whether or not y'all have compatibility or incompatibility. Okay, so the next two compatibility factors I feel are geared more towards if you share space with somebody full of part-time. And those are organizational styles and methods and cleaning frequency styles and methods. I'm not gonna go too deep into these and I think that it is self-explanatory why these things <laughs> are compatibility factors, especially when you're living with somebody. Um, they don't necessarily have to be just if you're living part-time or full-time with someone, but I do think that the level of compatibility needs to be higher if you're living with somebody. And it can be zero to very low if you're not living with somebody because you don't have to help them organize. You do not have to clean their house or any of their space or anything like that. So these are self-explanatory, not going to go into them just making a note that these are things that you should talk about as far as when you're trying to determine whether or not it is good for you to move in with somebody. The next compatibility factor I want to talk about is social life. And this is parties, group events, vacations, etiquette, family events, work events, all of those things. Basically, how much a part of your social life does the other person want to be and that you want to be because you may have different ideas about parties who goes to what parties the frequency of the parties that you go to how often you bring partners to parties if they feel like less than or treated um, unfairly if they don't get to go to certain group parties certain holiday parties certain family events certain work events vacations are you guys um, compatible for traveling together now I have I had because we're no longer together a partner that I thought I really wanted to vacation with them they vacationed with their other partners and I did feel it was a little unfair um, that I didn't get the vacation with them. We finally took a vacation together and I realized that unless it was just a very brief weekend trip or an overnight, that we were not compatible for vacationing together just because of the way that they prepared for vacation um, and leading up to vacation. Once we were actually there and doing the events and things, um, we had a great time. We did some bucket list things for both of us but the prep into the vacation, the actual traveling together part, and then the end of the vacation, getting things all together and backpacked and traveling back home, it was very stressful. We were not compatible. I felt like we were bumping heads and it was just something that I didn't want a repeat of a whole lot. That's not the reason that we broke up, y'all. <laughs> um, at that point in time, I basically just told him I would prefer not to take longer trips than you, I think overnights or maybe a two-day getaway type thing would work best for us. So we didn't get to try that out because we broke up before we could try do that. Um, but I think it might have been a more compatible way for us to do trips, vacations, whatever, what have you together. Um, also etiquette. People have different views on how you act in social settings with groups. Um, whether this is at a party, whether this is at a small group event, whether this is at a work event, whether this is at a group vacation. I tend to find that there is a cultural aspect here. Um, different cultures interact differently and some folks may think certain things are rude 
or that certain things are too much or too loud or whatever the fuck. And I think that this is something that you should really talk about is what is your etiquette in group situations? What would make you uncomfortable if it was talked about in group situations? What would make you uncomfortable if there was an altercation in a group situation in the way that I react? What actions, um, what level of volume, whatever. What are those things that you would and would not like to happen in group settings? This is something that you should really talk about with your partners, especially if you plan on bringing them into a certain group that they've never been around or just parties in general. Um, you should also talk about how often this person wants to go to parties or if they even do want to go to parties. I had with another partner a conversation um, sometime in our relationship about parties, going, uh, me attending parties with him in general because I am a person who again has a low social battery, but also I don't like strangers. I don't must tr trust people in general. And at parties, I tend to sit and watch, especially when there's nobody I know there except for one or two people. I will sit and I will watch and I'm very quiet. And a lot of people who meet me for the first time at group parties where there's not people that I don't, that I know there and, or it's not a party that I am hosting or an event that I am hosting, they think that I'm very shy. People who meet me at parties where I know almost everybody there or it's an event that I am hosting think that I am very extroverted. That is not true. Um, <laughs> very introverted, but I can turn on social charisma when I have to, which is something different. Being outgoing is different than being extroverted, but regardless, I'm neither outgoing nor extroverted. I just know how to turn it on when I have to for work, which is what hosting and planning events is for me. All right. So basically I had to tell him most of your friends, I don't know. I'm not close to also they're white and as a black queer woman I am just not automatically comfortable in any white spaces that are mainly white regardless of their polyam queer whatever the fuck they call themselves it don't matter I don't know which one of y'all is the poisonous steak which one of y'all is gonna say some outrageous shit which one of y'all is gonna say some other and shit because y'all whenever you come up to me and it starts talking about black shit that you don't know nothing about or start talking about how great it is to see a person of color or any type of that shit that's othering that is very othering and i don't have the patience for it and so i told him like there will be times where i definitely decline going to some of the parties and stuff that you invite me to because when i look at the guest list and ain't a damn other black person on there but me or there's like two other ones i'm not about to be the token i'm not about to be the only one to bear the brunt of this and so I'm going to decline off of that alone. So like if you are hosting a party or if you're taking me to a party, I need to see the guests. So you need to tell me who all going to be there, period. So these are things that you need to talk about. These are things that if a person is like, but I need you to come to my parties and meet my friends and blah, 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 blah. Or they take contention with the fact that, you know, you might not want to go to a certain party because of certain reasons whatever those reasons might be, then maybe y'all are incompatible in this way. And maybe I just don't go to parties together. Or if it's too big for you, maybe y'all reevaluate the um, relationship, that type that you have. All right. Next compatibility factor is care. And this is generally what makes one feels cared for. And also how you like to be cared for when you're sick or in distress or whatever. I have a partner who, whenever he's sick, does not want to be cared for at all. Just text him. He will be in his own space with his own supplies. If he tells you he needs you, fine. I have another partner that whenever she's sick, listen, you better be there. You better be there. You better send care packages. You better come over, sit there while, you know, she is, um, if she's not contagious, you know what I'm saying. But like sit there, comfort her, bring her food. All of these things she wants to be taken care of. And if you are a person who doesn't like to take care of people whenever they're sick, and if your person needs that, then y'all gonna have to talk about it and maybe decide that that's not the relationship that y'all have with each other. You need to talk about what you need whenever you are in distress, um, sad, angry, anxious, whatever, because if you need something and then a person doesn't deliver it, you're feeling resentful that they didn't deliver it. But then that person may not even be able to be capable of doing this thing. 
I like to use this example. <laughs> I had a partner that, you know, whenever they were anxious, um, they needed certain things and I wasn't the person to give it to them just simply because I just couldn't deliver that and I couldn't deliver it when somebody was anxious or having a meltdown or whatever. I, I could not deliver. Lip, just, I couldn't. It triggered me in ways in which I am like, I need to remove myself from this situation. And so I could not be the person that they sought comfort for at that moment in time. It was fine because they had other people they can seek comfort for. But we definitely had to talk about it um, because it wasn't that I didn't care for them. Or I didn't want to give them comfort. I just couldn't give them comfort in a specific way at this specific time when they were doing this specific thing because of my own trauma. And sometimes that just happens and it's okay. We are not... Like we are responsible for healing from our trauma, for finding coping mechanisms to deal with our trauma. But we are not responsible for the trauma itself. It is not our fault that we might have trauma that don't match up <laughs> well with somebody else's. You just have to figure out the way to work around it and other ways to make a person feel cared for. So you should also talk about even with, when you're not in distress, when you're not sick, generally what makes you feel cared, feel cared for. I don't know why that sentence was so, so difficult for me to get out. But, you know, I feel cared for whenever there's scheduling happening. I feel cared for when you get me things that I actually ask for. Not things that are just like random shit that I don't have space for. I really don't like stuff that I don't have space for. Um, I don't mind knowing what presents are ahead of time. I don't care about getting presents ever ever if you feed me if you give me food all the time that is enough presence for me so like find out figure out yourself what makes you feel generally cared for and then you can talk about it with your partner and then your partner can share the same thing and sometimes you know it, it may be more difficult or less difficult for somebody to um give the care to talk in that different love language Sometimes we can figure it out and sometimes you cannot and, and you have to figure out like what type of relationship are we going to have if you cannot fulfill this need for care. The next thing, caregiving expectations towards others in their life, such as dependents, kids, or parents. Um, if somebody has plans on a dependent, um, like an older sibling or a parent or whoever, like living with them and taking care of them and you also live with them, you need to talk about this. You need to talk about, you know, like end of life plans for those folks in your family that you want to care for, how you want to care for them, if you want them to live with you, yada, yada, yada. Also, what are your expectations if you have kids for your other partners who are not your co-parents? This is a big thing because I do think that sometimes folks do not talk to other partners about this. I am a person that I love the kids. D love the kids. I love all my nibblings and shit like that. But I do not want to full-time co-parent a child unless one of my nibblings need it because of whatever reason. Um, with my something happens to my siblings, my mother, whatever. I will do it and I will care for them like they were my own. But my choice is to be childless. I do not want to like intentionally co-parent and I think that that is okay I don't hate kids I love them again so much I just know the type of life that I'm leading I don't want to co-parent I do not want to have my own kids if I had a partner who felt like I needed to be a whole other parent to their child I would have to talk to them about that and if they couldn't accept that I am the rich auntie then you know, we we cannot be partners because you need to accept that about me. Um, you just basically need to come to an understanding of what your expectations are towards the people that you are dependent, that the your partner is dependent upon, vice versa. You know what I'm saying? All right. Next thing, finances. Whoo, child. I've heard that finances is like one of the top things that people argue about and for good reason. Um, I have it in my manifesto that 
I make a budget for the year and then I reevaluate my budget every month. And when I say I can't do something, don't try to convince me that I can't do it. If I say I can't do something, don't try to convince me not that I can't do it or whatever. I know my budget. However, if you want to make it a gift, if you say, but I want to give this to you as a gift, I'm going to be like, okay, cool. I'm cool with that. I will never not take money as a gift. That's the other gift that I like. But people, I don't know, some people have qualms about talking about finances. But you need to talk about finances. You need to talk about like what your level of expenditure is for vacations, for food, for regular dates. You know, if you are poor and polyam, there are things that you can and can't do unless your partner is the one who always is the one paying for things. And if you have feelings, financial feelings, because I definitely do growing up very, very, very poor and staying that way for most of my life and then coming back to being poor, that if you have feelings about folks <laughs> buying things for you or doing things for you or all of that shit, you need to talk about that too. So finances, contentious topic, a hard topic to talk about for some folks, but you really need to talk about it. Um, next thing, sex, sensuality, and kink. Again, this is something that I will be talking about on a later episode. And um, I talked about sex in a previous episode, but I will be talking about sensuality, kink, and more sex in more episodes. I'm going to get more into sexual compatibility in those episodes, but y'all need to talk about it, okay? That is something to discuss. Another compatibility factor, religion and spirituality. Now, my religion, my spirituality, I should say, whatever you want to call it, is personal to me. I don't necessarily need anybody to share it. I can date people of almost every religion and not have anything as long as you're not processizing to me about what I should and shouldn't be doing or judging me for mine. So my shit is very individual. However, if you are in a religion or spirituality that is a collective one or a group one and you need your partner to be one of those people in that collective, y'all need to talk about it. If you want to raise your kids in a certain religion, y'all need to talk about it. If you have religious iconography, which to me, this, this is something um, that I have to talk about with my partners. is, And that is like, don't touch my altar or you can't touch these things. Or I'm going to be doing these rituals around the house because y'all live here too. You need to know it is the new year. And I do have new year things that I do and that I still need to do some of them. Um, and if you feel open to like, you know, talking about your religion and what things are important to you and all of that, you need to talk about these things because it's the worst thing to be judged for your spirituality by somebody that is close to you or them not knowing something and doing something that is negative or whatever. So like talk about these things. Um, next thing, overall values. First of all, what are values? Values are generally seen as a person's principles or standards of behaviors, um, one's judgment of what's important in life and the like importance or, or, or of these things. So I think that your overall values need to match. For instance, I have met folks who have this, um, principle this 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 idea that the standard of how you interact with other people regardless of who they are is you have to be polite at all times they would not mesh well with me because I'm not polite I don't think I'm polite um I can be kind I can be considerate but I'm not polite I don't speak to people when they enter a room I don't have to shake hands or hug nobody because I don't want to touch everybody. Um, I don't feel like I have to contribute to conversations. If somebody is offensive, I will tell them. Um, there are aspects of politeness that I see and I was and I just think to myself that don't make no sense. So I'm not necessarily polite. However, I am cordial. I am considerate. And at sometimes I can be kind. Uh, me not being polite has been 
like interpreted as me being mean because if you're not polite you're mean um i think that for the most part i am a person that is solidly neutral until things are proven otherwise i don't have opinions about things or people or situations or whatever and i don't react to them in positive or negative ways until I have more information, I like to observe and get information. But neutrality is often considered negative in a negative light. So, um, yeah, that's that's overall value. That is like if you don't, if you, if we don't share those values, we can knock heads all the time. So think about what your values are. What are your principles around life, around living, around interacting with others? Lay them out and then talk to your people about them because if your values don't match, then it will it will be very difficult interacting and relating to each other. All right. And then now the last point of compatibility that I want to talk about today is emotional regulation, emotional intelligence, emotional processing, and basically how much you expect to share with your partner and them with you. Now, just last episode, I talked about emotional intelligence, the last full episode that I had. And in that episode, I talked about what emotional intelligence is, ways to determine or questions to ask to determine how much a person, um, how much emotional intelligence a person has. And then I asked a question at the end of the episode, how do you determine if you are compatible with somebody in terms of emotional intelligence and I said at the time because I don't know the answer to this (laughs) and to be honest I still don't know the full answer to this I think this is something that you kind of have to um figure out for yourself because again all of these things are things you have to figure out for yourself because you have to determine how much or how less of compatibility can I have with somebody in any of these factors and still have a relationship with them So first, if you want to hear more about emotional intelligence and also emotional regulation, because I do talk about some ways um, that you can regulate your emotions and also gain more emotional intelligence, please listen to the last episode. I do want to talk right now, though, about emotional processing, because this is something I'm going to talk about in the mini show next week things that I learned and that have happened to me over the past year. And um, that is that I recently had a breakup. And part of the breakup is that we were incompatible, in my opinion, and emotional processing. The way that I expect folks to show up in terms of emotional processing was at odds in the way that not necessarily the person also expected, but that the way that they expected... um, or the way that they did show up because we didn't really talk about in depth how we processed emotions and how we would prefer to share that processing with our partners. So I think, first of all, there are um, three points that I want to make here in terms of uh, emotional processing. One point is the locus of control. So locus of control, it refers to uh, a person's perception about the underlying main causes of events and things that have happened in their life. Do they believe that it is internal, that your destiny or fate or whatever things that have happened to you can be controlled by yourself or external, other people, God, fate, whatever, whatever, whatever. Um... For the most part, I feel like I have an internal locus of control. That means that I believe that I I mostly am in control of my life and that I can take steps to change these factors uh, that I don't like. My actions and the things that have happened are my fault. Maybe not my fault alone, but are mostly me and my decisions and I can change and blah, 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 blah. External, a lot of folks who have external control believe that external forces are the cause of their circumstances, their life events. And I do believe, I do believe that external forces can factor in (laughs) of how your life is going. Um, But a lot of people use that 
all the way down on the other end of the spectrum. For instance, my ex-husband who believed that nothing was ever his fault. It was always somebody else's. And I'm not exaggerating here, y'all. This is not like, I don't like this ex because we are exes. I have very many exes that I love dearly. But everything that went wrong in his life, he really did believe that it was somebody else's fault. And he really did attack those people that he believed was their fault, even if it was through no fault of them. Sometimes life just happens. Sometimes it's just circumstances. And sometimes it was his own fucking fault. But it was never his fault in his head. So anyways, I think that you should talk about the locus of control because that, to me, um, is something that factors into your emotional regulation and processing. So that's one thing. Another thing is whether or not you are a person who processes things internally or whether you're a person who processes things externally. That is, whether or not you need to be alone and journal or just think to yourself or read to yourself or whatever to process certain emotions and actions that have happened or whether or not you need to talk out loud to process it or talk with somebody else or you know like you you need that helping hand whether it's a therapist or just somebody to listen to vent to or whatever either way is valid in my opinion however if you are a person who needs to process internally and a person is demanding that you process externally or you expect other folks to also process internally and they need to process externally, then y'all are probably incompatible. And that leads to the third thing that I want to talk about, which is one of my favorite things. I talk about it on um, my Facebook page. Um, also, I do believe I have a on my blog a post about locus of control so you can uh, search that in my blog and see what I wrote about it a few years ago. Um, but anyway, the potato analogy, I talk about it in my group. I think I talked about it once on my Facebook page as well. The potato analogy is actually a metaphor for emotional labor. And I'm just going to read it to you guys. In this metaphor, the person providing the support is the one offering to bake the potatoes. They provide the kitchen, they preheat the oven, they season the potatoes, they have the plates on which to serve the potatoes once they're cooked. These actions are metaphors for things like active listening, asking empathic questions, and witnessing someone's feelings. The person seeking support is the one who brings the potatoes. The potatoes are their feelings and their issues that need attention. These two people might prepare the potatoes together, but the person with the kitchen is probably going to do the majority of the cooking, the emotional labor. In some relationships, the person needing support shows up in the kitchen with potatoes at the ready. They're saying, here, these are my potatoes, cleaned and ready for your pan. In other relationships and situations, the person seeking support makes it harder to find their potatoes. They might come into the kitchen looking hungry. The kitchen owner might be asked to expend a lot of energy finding out where that person's potatoes are located. Are the potatoes in another kitchen? Do they know how to get there? Are they in a backyard in the dirt? Is the kitchen owner requested to go dig up the potatoes? Knowing they exist, but having to work to uncover them can be a lot of work. In some cases, the potatoes may be so much effort to find that they never get baked at all. This can leave one or both parties feeling frustrated or unfulfilled. Now, I like this potato analogy because it also illustrates how you prefer for people to show up with their potatoes and how you prefer to show up with your potatoes. Because I think... You can still feel unfulfilled even if the potatoes got cooked by the very like way in which they were found and got cooked. Personally, I prefer potatoes that are brought to me already washed and peeled. At the very least. Like occasionally I can help with the prep, with the washing and peeling, but that's very that is very rare. That's very occasional. I don't have the bandwidth to constantly help find or prep somebody else's potatoes. I have enough in my life. I'm already finding, prepping, and cooking my own while also helping cook other multiple folks' potatoes. Okay? So, I don't. <laughs> I, 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 I can only, like, I can only help. I feel like I can only be of so much help if your potatoes are already brought to me, washed, peeled, if that's how you want them to be peeled. And with you having a plan in mind of how you want them to be cooked and I believe I feel this way because I tend to show up with fully prepped 
sometimes even mostly cooked potatoes. Like I'll show up with the damn potatoes, like pre-blanched, cooked, already laid out, like cut cut up in little spheres or not spheres. What are they? Uh, rounds and already prepped with some damn milk and 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 uh and 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 cheese and whatever and to make scallop potatoes i'll bring a pan to help you with whatever i was taught by you know society my mother life experience to do my own emotional labor internally and then to form necessary parties after of what i have found during my own internal processing or after i've talked about in therapy or whatever i have got away Bless God. I've got away from the, I'm, I've already cooked the potatoes and I'm just telling everybody how they're eating it. And I've also learned in some occasions, it's okay to come with the potatoes already washed and then discuss together how they should be cooked and all of that. Even more, last night, I started the conversation um with my girlfriend who I have yet to come up with a, a, a nickname for this girlfriend. Again, something I'm going to talk about in the mini-zode. Um, I came to her, can you believe it, with potatoes that weren't fully found. Um, I think I dug them up or bought them from the store while we were having the conversation. I wasn't planning on it. It was very uncomfortable. I didn't like it. She asked me a question. And then it led to some realizations and she was just there while I was talking like I would whenever I was processing regular shits and she just listened. And then at the end of it, I said, does any of that make sense? And she said, some of it did. And I said, that's great. I'm still going to be thinking about this. And she said, yeah, of course. And she understood because I think that she also processes things in a very similar way to me. And at the beginning of the uh, processing, I said, I don't fully have this all the way done yet. And I'm a little uncomfortable talking about it, but I want to. And, you know, she told me I didn't have to, but I wanted to. So I did it. So I did it, y'all. I did it. But anyways, <laughs> this is just to show that I've been learning to be more open and trusting earlier in the process. And sometimes it's okay to share feelings before you fully process them with the people that you care about. However, in general, I do not like the finding of the potatoes. I do not like the prepping of the potatoes, the washing, the peeling, whatever other folks' potatoes, because it is a lot for me. It is very dysregulating. For me, um, when somebody comes and they just don't know how they feel about something, what they want from the conversation, um, you know, what they want from me, nothing, none of that. It, it, it does. I try to put myself in their emotional landscape, in their, um, their internal landscape. And if it is very, very different from mine, then I become dysregulated and then I have to talk about it in therapy. Um, and I don't like that. And so I would prefer for people to come, you know, maybe talk about a lot of the emotional processing. Um, not Maybe not in a lot of the emotional processing, but they, like they do the initial emotion, emotional processing with themselves or if they are somebody who needs somebody else, that they go to somebody else with it first before they come to me with it. I need for them to say, I thought about this and these are the conclusions I have drawn. What are ways in which we can work together? blah 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 blah, and not i felt angry when this thing happened and i don't know nothing else except for i felt angry you need to do something about it we need to do something about it or i don't know how i felt about this the end and then they expect me to ask all the questions and to do all the things um if, if you're telling me how you feel about a thing and then say later on i'll come to you with more thoughts and more feelings i'm okay with that i'm okay with an initial, I've, I'm upset, not quite sure why, I'll come back to you. I'm okay with that. But expecting me to help pull it out of you is very harmful for my emotional and mental health because of the way in which I grew up, had trauma, and was socialized. So for somebody who needs that, I am incompatible with them. And that's okay. I'm incompatible with them as far as like the processing type of thing. And so we will have to figure out ways in which to communicate with each other when we're processing emotional things, how much we want, to, we expect to share with each other 
So I'm still trying to figure out a nice, concise way to determine if you are compatible with somebody in terms of emotional intelligence and also how you regulate your emotions. Actually, how you regulate your emotions. Um, if somebody is doing a thing that regulates their emotion that triggers you or that you cannot deal with, then you're incompatible. But as far as emotional intelligence, I'm still trying to figure out a clear, concise way to, to, to talk about um, how do you know if you're compatible or incompatible with somebody for that uh join my facebook group please if you have thoughts on this um and my discord will be launching soon but join it and give me your thoughts on this on how you determine if you are compatible or incompatible in terms of emotional intelligence because i do think that if i would have listened to the episode um beforehand and i had a concise way of knowing this then my relationship that just ended by have um receded differently this past year anyways that's again something i'm gonna talk about in a minute so now to go back over the things that we talked about today the first thing we talked about was chemistry is not compatibility because chemistry can wax away, but compatibility should always be present in healthy relationships. And compatibility is much more than getting along with somebody or being similar or sharing lots of interests. It is a mutual understanding and acceptance of the core nature of a person. You can genuinely enjoy being with each other without feeling preoccupied by what you feel needs to change within the other person and having a number of compatibility factors that are high percentage on the level of being close to yours different compatibility factors to discuss with somebody to determine whether or not y'all have high compatibility communication frequency styles and purposes time scheduling tardiness overall concept of time organization styles and methods cleaning frequency styles and methods social life Parties, group events, vacations, family and work events, and social etiquette. Care. Generally what makes you feel cared for and also your care when you're sick or in distress. Caregiving expectations towards others that are dependent upon you in life. Finances. Sex, sensuality, and kink. Religion and spirituality. Overall values. And lastly, emotional regulation, emotional intelligence, and emotional processing how much you expect to share with your partner and them with you. These are the compatibility factors that I think are very important to discuss and that you should talk about frequently because situations change, people change, and relationships should change to remain healthy and compatible because the only thing constant in life is change. Now, on the next episode, we will be talking about negotiating relationships. So it's just a spinoff of this. We're going to be talking about meeting each other where you are, transitioning when things change, candid conversations, when compatibilities overlap one way, but not the other way, how to, you know, like have these conversations when you are incompatible in a certain way. And you want to be compatible in that way or transitioning the relationship so that that thing is taken out of it. And also determining from your compatibilities, who should you cohabitate with? Who should you co-parent with? Who should you invest with? That's the read we talk about next time. Um, thank you guys for listening to me once again. And again, Merry New Year. Merry New Year. And I will be consistent. Consistency is a thing. That we are working on this year. Now that things have calmed down in terms of my social, personal, familial, and work life. I look forward to talking to y'all about this next Wednesday. Until then, that's me, by the way, if y'all didn't know that. This episode was recorded, edited, produced, all that shit by me, D-Ray. 
full transcript can be found on this episode's page at sunnydpod.com. Theme song is by Calpen Creations. You can find me on my Facebook page, Sunny D, at facebook.com slash sunnydminks, M-I-N-X. Enjoy my For the Free Facebook discussion group linked to it, Sunny D Pod. You can also follow me on Instagram at Sunny D Pod, TikTok at Sunny D Minks, and my ratchet ass Twitter at Lil Wild Minks. You can also join my soon to be launched, more information on that later, Discord. Also, you can support me on Patreon where you can be a part of my private Discord rooms, book discussions, and get some other little goodies I cooked up for y'all. You can find that at patreon.com slash sunnydpod. Thanks, folks. Stay foxy, y'all. <laughs>